Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, host Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is good to be with you another evening, another weeknight, reflecting into the richness of our faith. And as we do here on Wednesday evenings, we talk uh, the stuff of Pope Francis. Uh, we are going through his exhortation, his first document uh, in its entirety, written by... Uh, Pope Francis, entitled The Joy of the Gospel. One of the other things that we are also doing is just kind of looking into uh, the man, the life, uh, and maybe where he's in the news. Certainly, uh, there's always something to talk about, and I'm doing this with uh, Bob Cross. Bob, it is good to have you with me another Wednesday evening. Thank you, Joe. Good to be here. So, Bob, uh, we didn't talk about this beforehand, but it occurs to me as I'm talking now, tomorrow is his uh, first year anniversary of him being elected Pope. And so certainly he is in the news once again. And so there's all of these reflections out there, and maybe we'll touch upon those next Wednesday, um, as, as a lot of those will come out tomorrow. Uh, but there is something that is in the news that uh, grabbed my attention for what we do here on this radio program, certainly about sharing the faith, uh, defending the faith, and hopefully doing it in a way that's invitational. Uh, there was an article that really took some words of Pope Francis uh, out of context, and the article would suggest that uh, Pope Francis was a dissing apologist, <laughs> dissing uh, those who uh, defend the Christian and the Catholic faith. Now, let's just get to the heart of it. Uh, what did... Pope Francis say recently that might have some thinking, hey, you know what's going on here? I'm an apologist. I'm someone who defends the faith. Am I being dissed by your current Pope? This is what he says. He's, now, he's speaking to bishops, okay, and pastors, shepherds. You should be guardians of doctrine, not to measure how far the world lives from the truth it contains, but to fascinate the world to enchant the world with the beauty of love, to seduce it with the free gift of the gospel. That's some pretty strong language. I, I love that, and we'll talk more about that in a bit. But this is where some controversy came up for, for at least one a news outlet. The church doesn't need apologists for their own agendas or crusaders for their own battles. Done? No, there's another line but humble and faithful sowers of the truth, right? So yeah, you remove, but humble and faithful sowers of the truth. You know, what is Pope Francis saying there? Well, what Pope Francis is saying there simply is, we need people defending the faith in such a way where it is encouraging dialogue. And how do we do this? Well, 1 Peter 3.15 reminds us, Bob, that we always do it with reverence and gentleness. Here, Pope uh, Francis uses uh, humble and faithful sowers of the truth. Okay, this is very important. Now, why might this be taken uh, out of context? Well, 
The word apologist, Bob, is used uh, more in more than one way. In some, in some circles, it's used to refer to a person who defends the faith, but also within the context of political circles, defends it in a negative context. Uh, and if they're defending a political cause, uh, certainly people see that as, well, the politician is just using deception. But that's not what this is. Apologetics and apologists are essentially giving reasons for people to believe in Christian truth. What Pope Francis is saying then is, hey, we are not going to do our job well if we're using truth as a club, you know, as opposed to showing truth as a flower. In the end, uh, this is what it's about. Yeah, we can carry on thinking that Pope Francis is saying one thing, but to always understand him for who he is, we need to grab hold of the context. I mean, for him to say that the Catholic Church doesn't need apologists, in one stroke he would abandon 2,000 years of, of Christian truth and Christian history. He's not going to do that, as, as well as he hasn't done it on all these other issues that people want him to change. When we look at him in context, what we are seeing is essentially what's been said for 2,000 years. He's doing it in a way, though, that is provocative. And in, again, in that word, he's provoking us. He's challenged us. He's calling us forth. He's calling us out. And yeah, it has us talking about what he's saying, which is important, especially in light of uh, our subject matter. Well, and you know, it's, it's interesting when you talk about apologists or defenders, um, those words can have an entirely different meaning and an entirely different connotation than what it means to those who are actually a part of um, catechesis or just Catholic uh, Catholicism as a whole. Uh, you know, apologist, you know, what is it? It, 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 it sounds like apology, like you're being sorry or you're, you're, you're you know, yeah. like you said, a negative sort of uh, reflection defender. You have to defend something because, you know, you're in the wrong in many cases. That's generally what, you know, anybody, especially in the secular uh, world, may may immediately think of. And so, you know, it's easy to see how, you know, you can see the mainstream, or you can understand, I guess, is the best way to put it, the mainstream media would grab hold of something when, when, uh, when, when our Holy Father says something like what he said in terms of, you know, uh, we don't need to you know, be on our own crusade, per se, uh, how they would think that, oh, okay, well, hey, you know, those Catholics are finally, you know, realizing that, you know, they just can't keep going around, you know, you know, apologizing or defending all the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, it just has yeah. oh, an entirely yeah. different meaning. Yeah, and Bob, I mean, for many, even as we talk about this, I know that there's maybe even a majority of people when they hear that word and they put it in the context of Catholicism or even Christianity, certainly they say, uh, yeah, it's about time you start apologizing your fi- for your faith. I mean, what what is that? I, am I saying that everything that I stand for um, doesn't mean anything? And I'm really apologizing for for what I believe in. That doesn't make there are many sense. Many who would think that. Yeah, yeah but I mean, that's exactly. but because we don't think about it critically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, just generally speaking, uh, yeah, there stands to be clarification. So, does he talk about this in the document? that we're talking about, right? The joy of the gospel. If we were to fast forward into paragraph 132, he says this, 
Proclaiming the gospel message to different cultures also involves proclaiming it to professional, scientific, and academic circles. This means an encounter between faith, reason, and the sciences with a view to developing new approaches and arguments on the issue of credibility. It goes on to say, a creative apologetics, which would encourage greater openness to the gospel on the part of all. You see, he just said, we were talking about the invitation. We were talking about, you know, that discussion, that dialogue that encourages one opening up. Blessed John Paul II, soon to be saint, had that wonderful phrase that the new evangelization is about evangelizing the imagination. Evangelizing the imagination. When here, Pope Francis is talking about creative apologetics, what is he talking about? In our arguments of reason evangelize the imagination. What did Christ do in these wonderful parables, in these wonderful images, in these wonderful allegories? He was evangelizing the imagination. He was making something that was once so incomprehensible in the Trinity, comprehensible with the way he used words and constantly being present because he was master teacher. He was Raboni to the great apologetic, not question answer, but question question, making sure someone's taking ownership of the question, and allowing the dialogue to uh, dialogue to mature. This is what Pope Francis is saying, and when we do it in humility, and when we do it with faith, that encourages the conversation and the dialogue, which is very very important uh, as we talk about this. What might be as we talk about analogies and images, Bob, a, a way to understand this. Well, my son is eight years old and he plays baseball. Now, he's really into baseball now, but you know, when he was five, maybe not so much. It's not necessarily something he was turning to or was turned on by. If I went to my son and I said, hey, uh, Colby, let me tell you about the infield fly rule. Yeah, whatever, Dad. <laughs> whatever, Dad. Okay, this is a rule in the game of baseball. As opposed to, hey, Colby, want to come to an A's game with me? Oh, sure. What's that mean? Where would we go? Well, we'd go to Oakland. We'd go to this big baseball park, and we, we know we'd be rooting on a team with uh, 25 to 30,000 other people. Oh, okay, that sounds pretty fun. Then he walks into the, the park. He smells the grass. He takes in... The, uh, the sounds of, of the ball hitting the bat. Uh, he looks around, the ball popping the glove. He smells those, uh, those fries and hot dogs. And suddenly, he's drawn into this sport in all of its beauty, in, in all of its wonder, in, in, all, in all of its enjoyment. And maybe in the fifth or sixth inning, Bob, you know, who, who comes up to the plate? Maybe... When Espedes comes up to the plate, an A's outfielder, and he hits a lazy fly ball that actually is nothing but a can of corn to the shortstop. And the umpire calls the infield fly rule. And he asks me, hey, Dad, what is that? Because he's interested. <laughs> he's interested. We need to draw people in and get them interested. This is what he's talking about. People don't care about the infield fly rule. Now, this is when... when you know, he, it, was, it was really a stir, Bob, when he came out and said, hey, we don't need to be talking about a homosexuality. 
uh, gay marriages and, and contraception and abortion every week. Well, that, that rubbed a lot of people, a lot of devout Catholics, a lot of devout Christians the wrong way. What is he saying? He's saying that we need to introduce people to Jesus Christ so they, they might be better disposed to hear about these truths. If all we do, once again, is hammer them with a club, the club of truth, it's not going to work. That's not what Jesus did. It is not what Jesus did. And so we model, we imitate what Jesus did, and we listen and adhere to what Pope Francis is saying. If we want to be effective in our evangelization and catechesis, because ultimately, what are we talking about? Well, this is evangelization, and the catechesis is, you know, once we've entrusted ourselves and believe in something, yeah, now we're going to want to know more about it. The infield fly rules some of the catechesis, if you will, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and we need to appreciate this dynamic. We have to. We have to. And as I'm talking about this, I know even a lot of my good friends, they still don't understand this, and, and I'm having that dialogue with them right now. We need to go deeper on this. And it's just not Pope Francis. It's Jesus himself. It's Jesus himself. There's a reason why this man has been elected. And yeah, we're looking back right now on this year, and we are so for a reason, and we ought to, because this year has been different. It's been different because the Holy Spirit is giving us a man, not in discontinuity with the previous two, as we talked about in detail two weeks ago, but in continuity, but in, in that continuity, uh, continuity showing us that, yeah, we need to look at the importance of disposition. We need to look at some of these things in a new way if we're going to be effective in the new evangelization. Not abandoning any truth, but simply how are we presenting the truth. What was that last line that, that, that you read? Joe, that um, Pope Francis said, um, um, with love and humility, I think yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, the uh, humble and faithful sowers of the truth. Humble and faithful sowers of the truth. Yeah. And I mean, humble, you know, lovers, sowers of the truth. I mean, it, the humility part of that is the, the, the one that really catches us all. Just yesterday, I was caught up in a, in a situation where there was somebody who really wanted to debate some, some strong tenets of the Catholic faith, but it was... Mm. Wrong place, wrong time, in yeah. a hurry, and yeah. it was immediately going to be confrontational if I was to even say anything. I didn't say a word, and I just let it kind of pass. And a little later on, this individual, actually, who was ready to fight and debate some, you know, real, real strong points that he felt strongly about. Sure. And I think he was a little surprised when I didn't respond. But mm. you know what? It's interesting. A little while later. Um, I just kind of swallowed what I wanted to say and any response I had that I was ready to throw out there and, uh, you know, come out with my apologetics, my, you know, defense of, you know, Christianity and the truth, Catholic faith. Um, all of a sudden he completely turned around and mm -hmm. he was like, gosh, I mean, I'm really sorry about the way I kind of popped off, you know, a little while ago. I mean, it was mm -hmm. just really caught me by surprise. Yeah. Where this could have gone entirely the different way. Now, I mean, there will be a time and place when I might be able to address some of the things that he wanted to talk about. But yes. Just some humility there on my behalf, which is tough for me to swallow sometimes. Sure. Um, you know, actually kicked in. Yeah. Because I've learned that, you know, you have to approach people if you want to sow the truth with that humility. You really do. Yeah. It's tough, I know. Yeah, and, and and you know, Bob, too, what's important here is in the, um, as we talk about humility, and again, the word humility, the Greek humus of the earth, you know, it really grounds us. 
uh, in that First Peter three fifteen passage of uh, reverence, that virtue from the Latin is is respect and you know one who listens. So that essentially reverence embodies humility, you know, one who who draws back and and listens so as to understand ultimately what needs to be said, if anything at all, really. And so, in the end, for all of this, Bob, it is about the encounter and how we are to first engage ourselves in our own relationship with Jesus Christ, that these virtues might be practiced more readily and that we are disposed, and ultimately that we can be a sign for those in our uh, circles, that the conversation would ensue, and that it's not a, a you know, a punch-counterpunch match of wits, uh, that it be something of a, of a very real listen-response relationship. That's what this is about, and that's what Pope Francis is talking about, talking about. Yeah, that that was it was wonderful the way you put it. I mean, it's kind of like you know everybody's throwing all of these these social issues at him every single day, every chance they get, they're throwing these things at him, and and you put it well in the way you described it. I mean, he's he's probably getting a little not tired of it because he knows that that comes with the job. Sure, but, sure. But you know, hey, let's let's deal with with love and and truth and let's deal with you know faithfulness before we get to these other issues you know i mean that's that's just so it's an incredible way to look at it yeah to the words themselves that he says you know seduce them yeah wow i mean <laughs> again he's he's really calling us out to this is the challenge to seduce that's an edgy word again this is pope french saying seduce them with the gospel but in a way that Hey, this is this is really what our faith is about. Um, we don't seduce people by imposing, but we do by proposing. And again, this is at the heart of it all. For all of that, Bob, to really button up this introduction to the joy of the gospel, and it really leads into uh, the, our closing points for that introduction to the joy of the gospel, as it really hits home you know, the sectors of evangelization for the church and new evangelization, uh, he hits three areas, okay? Three areas that the church needs to focus on. The first are those who are already faithful uh, and, and are sincere in, in their worship, but are called to go deeper. Pope Francis says this first sector of the new evangelization is really for those who are involved in life in the church to really be infused with a, a new light that might have them expressing that deepest expression of holiness. And that is, it's a great challenge for all of us, Bob, to say, I can do more. This is what he wants us to ask is, uh, what more can I do? How better can I imitate Christ in his radicality? Pope Francis is a radical figure in the way in which he espouses to the essence of the gospel, just like St. Francis of Assisi was. Right? It is to remember <laughs> when St. Francis of Assisi proposed this new rule for his order, after he left, the cardinal looks at the other prelate and says, I don't know if he can do this. We've never seen it before, you know, because he was so radical in his poverty. Pope Francis embraces this. This is why he has this name, and he wants us to see the importance of it, and in it, to be able to ask the question, what more can I do? And yes, 
given away of the material, but also spiritually. How can I be more poor in spirit? And so this is the challenge he gives each and every faithful Christian who is sincere in their act. Go deeper. Belong more to Christ. You know, the word mystery, inexhaustible reality is what it means. (laughs) There's more to exhaust, essentially. There's more to draw from. And then he gives us this uh, second sector that uh, Blessed John Paul II talked about so much, this intermediate situation, which is those Christians and Catholics that have been baptized but have lost their sense of a living faith, that is maybe go to worship once or twice a month, that, that maybe are in and out of the faith, uh, go to Easter, Christmas, this kind of thing. We need to infuse there a new sense of vigor, that there's more to live for than just the material good and the acquisition of it, but essentially the spiritual good and a life in Christ. So he, he draws us out and he says, we need to, we need to make sure that we are, we are dealing with this. And then, of course, the last here is uh, the mission agentis, the, the, the mission to uh, evangelize and catechize beyond the borders of our church buildings and dioceses. And to see that uh, if, and so, God has put it on our heart to really go out there into the world and uh, embrace this, this missionary spirit. Now, this is the identity of the church. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Now, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach. So, Bob, we go forth mindful of this. Uh, reflecting into the importance of of these three sectors that we might be better stewards of evangelization. Embracing our own call to holiness, mindful of those around us who might be in that intermediate situation, not judging them on the inside, but just allow the Spirit to, to encourage you and enable you to be able to engage them as He calls you to engage them. And then, of course, be open to maybe that call that God has for us. You know, and, and the, I was reading one of the, the last lines in that third category that you're talking about, and, you know, um, instead of seeming to impose new obligations, um, we should appear as people who wish to share our joy, point to the horizon of beauty, and invite others to a delicious banquet. I mean, there it is, again, sowers of, of, of truth, you know, with humility. I mean, with love, sharing that faith, that joy that we have, through our, um, um, you know, uh, attraction and our, 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 our digestion of the gospel. And, you know, it comes full circle around to what, you know, that article we were talking about in the Washington Times. Yeah, but to fascinate the world, to enchant the world. Yeah, yeah I mean, really, he's, it, it's, it's the same idea. And as we do wrap up this intro piece, it is right that you bring joy back into play here, and that we can never talk about this spiritual fruit enough, that this is a powerful, powerful gift from God, a grace from God, that indeed a sign that the Spirit of God is dwelling within, and ultimately uh, a gift that uh, is a true sign that one belongs to God. Not, not happiness again, that happenstance that we can create our own, but the gift from God that is life-giving in those that surround us. This, this is why he would close this intro with this great fruit, uh, because ultimately 
This is a game changer. This is a game changer. Now, I was sharing with a friend, we were talking about joy and what we've been talking about on this radio program for, for the first three and a half weeks. And, and uh, you know, it's interesting, today, today's circles right now and today's papers, we're reading more about, Bob, uh, the rise in exorcism, possession, the rise of the occult. It's just expanding um, exponentially. And so this is why Rome is <laughs> girding themselves and spending a lot of time focusing on, you know, just continuing to, to form and, and invest uh, priests with, you know, with training and whatnot and how to handle these situations. I am convinced that not that joy would exercise a demon when someone's possessed per se, but joy in of itself has a way of eradicating melancholy spirits, eradicating spirits that bring us down. Right? It just it it enters a room and it gives life. You know, it is, I dare say, enchanting to many people. It fascinates many people. It evangelizes the imagination of many people. Why? Because we don't have it. And mea culpa, you know, as we are bogged down by the business of the day, we need to pray for that grace, you know, and that it might indeed might be a fruit that we can experience and share. And that it might be something that is well worth our while. And the last line in that paragraph that I was just referring to of, of Pope Francis uh, exhortation. This is it is not by proselytizing that the church grows, but by attraction. We're talking about joy and that energy that joy represents attraction. He used yeah. seduction of the gospel, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. in that other article that was uh, that was written about him. He uses these words as very, very tangible ways that the gospel and the faith can reach out with that joy and bring people closer to God. Yeah, I just have a closing reflection as you're talking about this. I was doing a conference uh, this past Saturday, and I was we were talking about prayer and just talking about the relationship between man and God, man and the Holy Spirit, and how the church fathers used to talk about this in the context of synergy, synergy. And so I, there was a scientist in the room. She raises her hand, and uh, she says, you know, in synergy, when two things to come together, two and two don't make four. Two and two make eight. You know, by its nature, its inherent nature, when you start talking about synergy, it's exponential. You know, so when, when, when we come into contact with the Holy Spirit, mindful that this spiritual fruit of joy is that first proclamation of the New Testament and the angelic salutation, rejoice, O highly favored one, hail full of grace, you who has been fully graced with joy, that this is a powerful powerful gift. And yeah, it is attractive, it is seductive, and it draws people in. And immediately, like synergy, right, it expands the body of Christ. You know, in that book of Acts, 3,000 so early on, first chapter, right? This is the Holy Spirit, this exponential gift that God gives us. And when it's realized in joy, wow, you know, wow. All right, Bob, let us close in prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, 
as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen, and God bless you. You've been listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening from 6.30 to 7 p.m. right here on KKXX. If you have questions or feedback, you may email Joe at jholljmj at yahoo.com. For a copy of today's program, visit joeholcraft.org or call KKXX during regular business hours at 894-7325. Thanks for listening to the Seeds of Truth on KKXX.